Hey, this is Julia Stern, and you're listening to Not My Best, the podcast that reminds you it's okay not to perform at your best 100% of the time. When we shift the focus to become a little bit better, instead of trying to be at our best all the time, we'll accomplish a lot more and we'll have way more fun doing it. Let's get into it. Hi, it's me, and it must be Tuesday morning because this is episode number 12 of Not My Best Podcast. Julia Stern here, and today I have Melissa Ortiz, who has not only played soccer professionally in the Women's World Cup, but she has also played in the Olympics with the Colombian national team. Now, she is here not to just brag about all of those cool things, but also to tell the story of how professional soccer kind of landed in her lap. She planned to be an architect, and then stress led to injury, led to creating this crazy path of becoming a soccer influencer where there wasn't really a roadmap for that. And now she's using her influence to speak out and to speak up for female athletes all over the world. This episode is for you if you're considering a career change or if you're not sure how to get started in the influencer space or if you just want to be inspired. After listening, let's connect. You can find me at Julia L. Stern or at Not My Best Podcast. Great subscribe. Let me know what you think. Let me know if this inspired you to do something because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Before we get into it, just a quick word from Red Bar. They are a plant-based, low-in-sugar protein bar full of adaptogens that help us adapt to stress, which Lord knows we all have it. If you don't have stress, come talk to me. But you can get 15% off on their website. That's reddbar.com with the code NOTMYBEST. And enjoy this conversation with Melissa Ortiz. So I have Melissa with me today. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. I'm super excited. Uh, we met in June. We went on a trip with Nike Women to Paris for the Women's World Cup, yep. which was an incredible experience for me, who's never played soccer in my life. That's actually a lie. I played it once when I was eight. <laughs> I did a camp for a week and then told my parents that I didn't want to. So <laughs> it must have been going to Paris with Nike Women must have been an incredible experience for you. Absolutely. I mean, I wish I would have had played yeah uh, in the course. world cup but to have gone with such a tremendous group of women and with nike of course with you yeah the experience was unreal like i didn't even know what to expect it was such a bond yeah. like you got there and you didn't know well at least i didn't know a lot of the people that we yeah, had went no. with <laughs> and it was a quick 48 hour trip so you were like jet lagged the entire time and like going yeah. to see the eiffel tower and like doing these incredible things and by the time we left it yeah. was like we knew each other so well yeah so. it was awesome and now you're here so thank you for I coming know. on my couch you're welcome tell everyone listening a little bit about your career because I know it pretty well just from learning about you but mm. for someone who doesn't know who you are you've done some pretty kick-ass things <laughs> so let's describe your career a little bit yeah um so I grew up playing soccer my whole life I have two older brothers so it was quite the norm for me to play uh we're Colombian I come from a Colombian background my parents immigrated here actually to Queens New York Amazing. Uh, but you gosh, were born in Florida. Yeah, and they moved to Florida and I was born in Florida. Um, played soccer my entire life. Didn't really see much opportunity or future in it. Um, crazy how life pans out. Um, I was actually going to be an architect here in New York City. Got accepted to like one of the best architecture schools wow. in the country. Yeah, had like portfolio, everything. But then my last year of high school, a coach uh, who is like a mentor to this day, she saw me play in a high school game that I was just playing for like kicks and giggles. Mm-hmm. And she's like, hey, where are you going to play in school next year? And I was like, no, I'm not going to play. I'm going to be an architect. So I'm going to school in New York City. And she was like, nah, you're crazy. 
She literally called my house for two weeks every day, convinced my mom, my dad, like to tell me to go train with like the local university near my house in West Palm Beach, Florida. And it's called Lynn University in Boca. So I think like obviously money came into like the huge picture and uh, I went to train, made the team, of course, and then scholarship, like overweight, being in like absolute debt here in New York City. The entire time yeah. where you're like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. Well, yeah, because part of me wanted to be an architect and part of me, I already saw myself like living in New York City and like, I don't know, being someone successful, like corporate life, I guess. Yeah. Um. And I, back then, of course, it's not like what it is today, women's soccer. Women's soccer back then, I mean, there was nothing. Like, you would only see it when there was Mia Hamm playing in the Women's World Cup. Yeah. Other than that, there was, like, no pro leagues, like, barely. So what year is this? This was 2007, 2008. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I played college soccer, decided to do that. Um, and I am so thankful because it's crazy how, like, your destiny and your path just opens up these, gosh, door of opportunities. And... It, uh, it honestly regained my love for the game again because I was in love with it, but I wasn't like fully, um, I don't know, like head over heels for it. I didn't know it could bring me so many opportunities as a woman. So I played college. Then I, as I played uh, my freshman year, a scout saw me play and he knew I was Colombian. So he's like, hey, do you want to go down to Colombia and try out for the national team? I was like, absolutely. I'm a dual citizen and have been like my entire life. So then um, went down to Colombia, tried out for the U20 Women's World Cup team, made the World Cup. We went, we made the semis. And then from there, just made my way up through the national team, through the full team, Olympics, like World Cup, Copa America, all these. Let's just like take a brief pause to acknowledge (laughs) the fact that not only did you play in the Women's World Cup, but you also made it to the Olympics. (laughs) Like, do you ever, like, I, I, I. this is so funny of me, but like I would be like, I went to the freaking Olympics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I played soccer in the World Cup, and I am an Olympian soccer player. Do you ever yeah. stop and like it's like a pinch yourself moment after it, wanting to be an architect? I know. Well, that yeah, that for me, from being an architect to like accomplishing what I accomplished in sport is absolutely. I, I like have to give myself a pat on the back, but at the same time, it's like I feel like we're never satisfied, you know, and that's something that I've always dealt with. And I think athletes deal with, women deal with, people in general deal with if you're like a go-getter, you know, Mm -hmm. you're just like never satisfied. And I was talking about this the other day with a friend, like sometimes you have to pause and like take a deep breath and be like, damn, I'm so proud of myself. And I do. And I have done that. I like, I got the tattoo right after because I was like, this is like stamp on life. Love that. Um, But yeah, there's sometimes where, you know, you, when you have your doubts on some things or your, your days where you're not feeling at your greatest or your best that I have to like kind of put that self in my mind. So my like, mind. thanks for coming to my couch and just being so on brand for the female. <laughs> I, know. I didn't even ask you to plug me that hard. <laughs> God, like, I'm not out. my best. I know. <laughs> but like, it's so true. And yeah. part of like trying to be the best or your best all the time is never being satisfied. Right. And like, I remember when I first got to New York and I would see people with like 2000 followers on Instagram and I'd be like, wow, if I could just get, and then 10,000. And then I reached yeah. out and I was like, wow, if I could just get, and eventually I had to be like, like, I'm doing great. Like yeah. this is it's first of all, nothing is ever about the amount of followers. I know, exactly. Ever, so that was a poor example. Yeah. But it's just an example of that. If I could just teach group fitness classes and then I was doing that and it was like, well now what's next? Right. You know? Yeah. And it, it just goes to show that even when you're at an Olympic status, <laughs> sometimes it's like, oh well, what's after that? Right. And so, so how long in total was your career in professional soccer? 
Um, so I graduated from college 2012, and then I went pro right immediately after that until 2017. So five, six years, give or take. Which um, is an incredible career, but also goes by in the blink of an eye. It does, and it's too short. Yeah. I mean, I think it could have been longer. Could I still be playing to this day? Potentially. I mean, I have injuries like here and there, and I feel like I was just constantly getting injured and just not in... I don't know, I wasn't happy anymore with that, my body, but I think the body and the injury was all driven by stress. And I was just so stressed because I wasn't in a moment where I could be independent, where I could pay for my own bills, where I could, um, I don't know, just anything. I just didn't feel my best, you know? I didn't feel um, like I was going anywhere, to be honest with you. Yeah, so I took a step back from soccer. um, One of those reasons being, like, I wasn't making any money. I was in debt, so. Yeah, which is, (laughs) when I learned that I think I was completely shocked because mm-hmm. to be a professional and Olympic athlete and be in debt right. is such a contrasting feeling because you're so successful, you're the best in your field, and you're making pennies. Right. Yeah. So that had to have been super stressful for you. Mm-hmm. What was it like on a day-to-day, and how did you balance, like, this is so freaking cool, I'm going to the Olympics, and this is not so freaking cool, I'm hardly making any money? So just like to put a note there, I mean, you have female soccer players on the U.S. Women's National Team who are making great money. And of course, they're still pushing for more because they deserve it. Right. Um, And that's with the U.S. Women's National Team. Whereas for, I'd say, 75% of all the other national teams in this world, they're not making enough money. And then in that scenario, you know, you do it, you play for your national team out of passion, and then you play for your club team, your professional club team to, to make your yearly salary. Uh, but still like when I was playing, your average salary was like $2,000 a month. Right. So, and I did that and it just wasn't the greatest. So anyways, how did I kind of put my mindset? Um, I think when I was younger, my only mindset was to be an Olympian was to perform at, you know, the best that I could or perform with my national team teammates and represent the country. That was my only focus. Of course, paycheck was one thing. And like, as soon as I would get out of soccer camp or as soon as I would get out of tournaments, I would try to like make money and and, and save up. So that would mean training kids. That would, you know, that would pay me in cash. A bunch of side hustles. A lot of side hustles. There was a point where I was selling designer shirts from a factory in South America on eBay. Like literally, like I've done it all. Um, But it also teaches you a lot about the hustle and the grind in order to make your dreams come true, you know? And so I did that and... uh, I think with age, with maturity, you learn as you go and you self-value yourself. Um, You see how others and other players are being treated. I think with that, it kind of gave me a different mindset on the way that our National Team Federation was treating us. And Mm -hmm. I had had known for a really long time, but like we were always scared to speak out. We didn't want to risk not playing in a tournament if they were to kick us out. So we always like kept our mouths shut, especially me. But then I got to a point where I was like, I don't need them anymore. Like, is this really making me happy? And no, it wasn't. Um, Are they paying my bills? No, they're not. Like, am I living off of this? No. So, uh, yeah, I came to a point where, like, we spoke out against the Federation. It's amazing. And I am, again, not in a similar situation as you, but I, when I was younger, I danced for the NBA. And I also was in the NHL as well. Yeah. And for the people who are listening to this chuckling on the other side that don't take, you know, cheerleaders or dancers seriously. But it is. It is. It is a job. I mean, Mm -hmm. a job is a job is a job. Yes, we are not 
um, you know, contributing to ticket sales, or we might be because there are little kids that like to come and watch us or females that don't appreciate the sport and like to see us. And it was, there were times where I got paid like $50 a game, $75 a game. That's insane. And when you think about how much money that the organization is racking in, like it is a full-time job, but it's something that preys on they're young, they're Mm -hmm. passionate, and they'll do it for that reason alone. Mm -hmm. And even when I was younger, I would say like, oh, you know, I'm so passionate, I would do this for free. Right, yeah. You know? That's what I would say, too. I'm just so happy to be on the court with thousands of fans around me. I would do this for no money. And, like, I would hear, like, when I would complain sometimes, like, some of my friends and, like, sometimes my brothers or, like, friends in Colombia who are like, wow, you play on the national team, that's amazing. I would do that for free. And at first you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. But then after a while you're like, no, you shouldn't. You're giving up major parts of your life to do this. Right. There's hours and hours of practice and training and Mm -hmm. self-care that you need to take to prevent those injuries Mm -hmm. and it all costs money like Mm -hmm. were you paying out of pocket for physical therapy absolutely that a trainer in florida Mm -hmm. um, everything supplements like it's not like we had social media back then to like give us these uh, collaborations on instagram nothing like i was paying for everything and just like credit card credit card credit card and then it came to the point where and this is something that we spoke out about was the Federation didn't want to pay for our flight sometimes. So like we would have to swipe out to go pay for our flight to go train with our national team. So there's so many things that like I was in debt and, and it was so wrong. And that's not even talking about flights to go home. Right, your exactly. Family, which is important for yeah. your mental health too. Exactly. That's yeah. so frustrating. And I think, and it was amazing to see the women's national team in the parade when they got home in New yeah. York. It's to go with Nike women to see that. And they're doing a great job of speaking out and cultivating that conversation. For sure. But as you said before, that's the U.S. women's national team and there are all of these other teams. And everything should be on the level. Right. Right? Yeah. And it's should not be. about being the richest you know, woman in America because you right. play Olympic soccer. Yeah. It should be on the level being paid a fair wage for what you are doing. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. A hundred percent. And they, all the women on the U.S. Women's National Team, they are, they inspire everyone else. Oh, I mean, it They was inspire incredible. us tremendously. Yeah. The way that, obviously, they play. But the way that they act and the way that they fight, the way that they go against the inequalities, I mean. Full of class they're and very intelligence uplifting. and the way that they speak is yeah. just incredible. Yeah. For someone who grew up a dancer and was not part of the <laughs> soccer community whatsoever, <laughs> yeah. um, it was incredible to go and watch them and it was incredible to hear them speak. Mm-hmm. So you're not being treated fairly. You're putting a tremendous amount of stress on your body and ultimately that leads to injury. So mm-hmm. what was that like for you? Sucked. Yeah, it has to. <laughs> like any injury in the world. Uh, yeah, I was on my way to 2015 Women's World Cup. That was the only major tournament left on my bucket list to be like, okay, I've done it all. I can retire happily, you know. Um, but I had been suffering from Achilles tendonitis, mostly because the Women's World Cup in 2015 was played on turf. So before that, we had been practicing on turf, which is absolutely horrible for your joints. And that was something that the U.S. Women's National Team and the Canadian, I feel, Women's National Team, yeah, they were fighting against FIFA saying that that was not fair, that they would never do that for a Men's World Cup. But anyways, long story short, it was played on turf, and we trained on turf, and then I obviously got, like, the worst result from that, and I tore my Achilles just four days before the Women's World Cup. Like, we had already left Colombia. I had made the final roster. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Um... And then, so I tore it and I had to fly back to Florida and recover the same day that my teammates eventually went to, to Canada. Um, and it sucked. It on, Like, there's nothing more than I could say that it, it really did suck. And, it has to. Yeah, and I was out of Women's World Cup and the Pan American Games where 
you know, that was also going to be my debut tournament there. So, um, you know, but I think that everything in life happens for a reason. My teammates were very much supportive. They would put my jersey out on television every moment. Like there was a goal or like a huddle or it was Columbia versus USA in one game and the team mm-hmm. huddle, they put my jersey in the middle and like, God, I cried. But, uh, yeah. all these things happen for a reason. Um, at first it's really hard to, for that, to take that gulp, you know, but, um, because of that, I actually met my current boyfriend now. We live together because uh, I was at, in Florida. I was supposed to be in Canada. Lining. Yeah, and we live together now. We've been together almost like five years. But you don't uh, always see that silver lining at the mm-mm. time that it's happening. Mm-mm. So that has to be so frustrating because when your body is your livelihood and your profession, yeah. like you kind of lose a piece of your identity Absolutely. when you're injured. Yeah. And that's very stressful. For me, it was when I stopped dancing. I have friends who were in the NFL and when they left the NFL due to injury, like they were lost their whole entire self identity. And that's really frustrating. So what was that like for you? And how did you manage your mindset when your body wasn't doing what had become your entire life? So one of the things, like I definitely lost my identity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And there's two ways that that I took this. One of them is like, okay, I'm depressed. Uh, and I was majorly depressed for like a solid month or two. And, but the only thing is that I, I already had set a goal and luckily we had the Olympics the very next year that we had already qualified for. So I was like, all right, I have one year to recover from this injury and it's doable. Like Kobe Bryant had done it, rest in peace. Um, David Beckham had done it. So those were the two athletes that I really looked up to that tore their Achilles. So I got back and throughout that year of recovery, like that was just my main motivation. Meanwhile, I still had to work. Like, yeah, I wasn't getting paid. I had to work on my parents' business. They owned car service business. So I was doing accounting, marketing. On top of it, I put together, like, a soccer uh, clinic, like, academy thing. Like, I did a bunch of different things. Then I started, like, a bracelet business. So it was a mix of, like, a identity. Anything I was like, who am I? Yeah. yeah. It didn't go along with who I was or am. But, like, at the same time, I'm like, what the heck do I do? Like, this is me. This is all that I knew. But I had that end goal. However, I think that year was kind of like, it was meant to happen for multiple reasons. One was, of course, me and my boyfriend, but also because I think that was a year that taught me, like, I can be any, like, soccer doesn't define who I am. Yes, I love it. It's my passion. It is, like, it, it's made me, but it's not who I am. So I, I had lost my identity, like, that year and the year after that, because after the Olympics, I decided, like, I'm not happy. I need something else. My body's not doing well. So next year, I actually continued working uh, at my parents' business full time. Wow! Yes, yeah, so I got back from from Rio from the Olympics, went right into working, um, continued my bracelet business. I actually got these bracelets into like forty stores, started wholesaling. I'm Are you wearing them yeah. now? Are you yeah. The rest? I have to see. <laughs> <laughs> um, these are them. Wait, now they're like I, I so shower cool. with them like, all the time, so they kind of. Yeah, they're very similar to like Pura Vida. So yeah, yeah, very yeah. How did I was you living get in Florida. Them into stores. So, oh, I'm sorry, sure. I didn't know you started a bracelet business. I did, but I, I, pa- I paused it when I moved here. This. I know. Yeah. This is all about the identity thing. Yeah. So, when I found out about Pura Vida during my recovery, I was like, wow, these are awesome. They're helping so many artisans. I know where to get these in Colombia. Like, I grew up like back and forth from Colombia and Florida. And like my, one of my things I used to love was like art, artisan goods and like jewelry and whatever, handmade things. So as soon as I learned about them, literally as soon as I got injured around there, went back to Colombia like a month later and then found artisans, 
like figured out a way how to set up the business, learned it on my own. My boyfriend helped me build like these beautiful stands to put into stores, like handmade out of wood. And so I would literally walk into stores. Just hustle. Just, yeah, walk into stores like, hey, my name's Melissa, blah, blah, this is my background. Um, I just started a bracelet business and I think it would do really great here on the shelf. And just like literally walk in there with my like briefcase looking thing of bracelets and be like, this is it. This is the wholesale price. This is the, and that's how I started. And then it just, it, it was doing great. We would do events. We would do like pop-ups in Miami, at Lululemon, um, West Elm we would go to in like South Florida. It was really awesome. But at the same time, I'm like, I love what this, I love this, but like, is it it's me? Is it me? Yeah. yeah. So that was my, my but I think of. that's such a, a great statement because yes, it's for athletes who lose their identity after they get injured, but mm-hmm. also for anyone listening, you are not defined by your career. Right. And at any point, mm-hmm. literally right now, next week, next month, you could wake up and say, I want to try this. It doesn't mean go into your office and quit, but it also means that you are not defined by what you've been doing for the last 5, 10, 15 years. Exactly. Yeah. There's Anything so many people that change their paths, that have different passions. Or I was listening, I think it was like, a, her, her name is Marie Fairlow. Yes. Yeah. She was talking this morning in like a Instagram IGTV thing mm-hmm. about this lady who's like 36 and just wanted to pick up a new career. And she's like, it's doable. It's possible. You can do it. You just have to take that step. And it's so true. Like your career or whatever you're doing doesn't define who you are. Right. You know? And it's also defining that it's not one giant step where you just take one foot and like arrive at your new career right like it's so many as much as we wish it would yeah no and (laughs) even if it means hustling on the side the way you did with soccer and walking into stores with bracelets like yeah it's just going about it and not holding yourself to a standard right that you then feel bad about when you can't achieve it and I'm not gonna lie like I wasn't I wasn't ever embarrassed but like it's like a self-pride thing it's humbling yeah exactly and it it grounds you you were you ever recognized for the bracelets? No, or... when you're going into these stores selling bracelets and people understand that you're a professional soccer in, player. In, like, what locally, like in West Palm? Yeah. Some of them, yeah. Um, but since I'm, like, a Colombian athlete, it's not very, how do you say, like, uh, recognizable yeah. in, in the United States. Like, But that has to be a piece of it, too, because if you are recognized and you're doing this thing that isn't playing professional yeah. soccer, then that gets in your head and that can be embarrassing, too. Yeah, yeah. There was different, like... I don't know. There were some types of, like, days where I'd be like, am I doing, like, why am I doing this? Is this me? Is this, you know? Right. And I think that the transitions that I had lately kind of made me go away from the bracelets, although I still have them. Like, I'm like, okay, it's at a pause right now until I, one, can manage even to do it. Like, now that I'm doing something else completely full time, I'm like, how the heck am I going to manage doing this, too? Right. So right now I have it on a pause. But I'm sure you've learned things from there which help you with what you're doing. Yeah. Branding, marketing, accounting. Yeah. So let's get into that because you haven't even touched on it yet. You've done all these incredible things. You're a professional soccer player. You've been to the Olympics. You've been to the World Cup. And now you are a soccer influencer. Yeah. Which, like, did you create that category for yourself? (laughs) I look at your Instagram and all of this incredible work that you're doing with brands and also to inspire the next gen of soccer players and athletes as a whole and young females as a whole. Mm -hmm. That has to be so rewarding for you. It is. I think that the whole soccer influencing or influencing space in general, general, it's something that just came upon me. It came upon you too. It's not like get out of college, like, 
I want to be, be an influencer. influencer. <laughs> yeah, no. Let me start selling you this face wash. Or yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, it doesn't work like um, that. Everyone's an influencer in their mm-hmm. own way or form and in their own niche and world and friends and circle. Um, with me, I think that all of a sudden, like, these brands are reaching out to me. And granted, back then I had, like, 20 or 30,000 followers from soccer, from playing. Mm-hmm. Mostly based in Colombia, too. But these brands started reaching out to me and I'm like, cool, you know, and like 50 bucks. Wow. You yeah. know, like when it you first start, start like, getting yeah, your I'll try that product. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I saw an opportunity there. Then when I really started like thinking about it, looking at the industry, using my like MBA mind to like scope out the market, I'm like, there's no females in this. And like soccer is a growing sport in the USA. And especially two years ago, now it's even bigger because of the way that social media has really grown with, you know, your media companies like Bleach Report, Copa 90, even ESPN FC. So like back then it wasn't as, how do you say, like tangible and like right at the palm of your hands. Now where I think I took a leap was um, I started listening to Gary Vee's Audible called, or I say Audible, but it's audiobook um, called Crushing It. And so I was at a transition point where I was like, who am I? I'm doing this bracelet things. I'm working full time. I, this is not who I am. I'm not happy. I'm at a desk nine to five. I would just been playing soccer my whole life in the Olympics. And now I'm at a desk sitting and doing paperwork and like filing papers. I'm like, no, like I cannot do this for longer. And I, I had multiple breakdowns, multiple breakdowns, like even with my mom, cause I was working for my parents and she saw me unhappy. She's like, you got to get out of here, you know? And so after listening to that like audiobook, I was literally driving in my car on the highway and I'm like, I swear to God, I wanted to continue driving to like, just to listen. Yeah. From yeah. Florida to like New York, like even, <laughs> um, and it really inspired me cause he literally, can I cuss on this? Yeah. Okay. Cause he literally would just be like, fuck it. Like, fuck everyone. Like, do you, you know? And I'm like, that's exactly what I needed to hear, you know, because I'm sometimes I was just too preoccupied uh preoccupied and like too how do you say like I was caring too much about what other people would think if I took a leap in another direction you know and it's so hard what are people gonna think about me and what is how was the result gonna be for me it was what are people going to think about me when I first land that leap and I'm taking this like really small step which isn't pretty yeah because eventually it gets you to things like doing this podcast or being an influencer in the soccer space but when you're doing it for the first time and when you make that first appearance people are like what the hell is this like you're looked as at like a joke because you're just starting this project and there's no foundation there yet but you have to build that foundation in order to get to somewhere where people respect you Mm -hmm. and obviously your first leap is going to be like in influencer terms, like, I'm not going to have, like, a million likes on all these no, views. No, and like, you're going to no. look cheesy as hell. Yeah. yeah. And it's your first one, so you're going to look, like, so amateur, yeah. you know? But, like, hell with it. So I was thinking, I was like, well, one of the things that I've always liked to do is, like, do studio work. You know, when it was us, me being a soccer player, being called to a studio for interviews or, like, TV shows and stuff. I used to like that. It used to, it used to intrigue me. Doing appearances. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, maybe I could get into, like, media things. So... I was like, I know a lot about soccer, men's soccer, women's soccer, the players, the leagues, whatever. So I'm going to start my own video series. So I literally set up a camera in the apartment. I hung up some like uh, scarves and like jerseys and stuff and went at it. 
and like posted it. And I had one, my, for my first video, I was like, okay, I have to make this one look at least decent for the first one. So I had a friend who was like in the news business, like the local Spanish news in West so Palm Beach. Yeah. So nice, by the way. And he helped me like edit it. I recorded it, self-recorded it, and he edited it, made it nice. That was my intro. And then after that, I just was like, okay, I got to make this consistent. So every like week, I would do a weekend pre of like the games coming up for the weekend. Then it was a uh, men's World Cup in Russia, 2018. And with my boyfriend, he really wanted to go to a World Cup. So we were like, okay, let's make a trip together. We'll do it. And I'll, I'll kick off my like soccer blogger, uh, how do you say, like brand. Amazing. Yeah. So went to Russia, took like my um, DJI, I forget what you called it back then. It was like the older one. Yeah. Um, and like blogged the entire, the entire trip. And like people loved it. They were like, wow, because not everyone gets to go one to Russia to a world cup. Um, and I think like I had like this energy where I could really tell the story and like show people how it is. So it got really great, um, results and like reviews or comments and feedback most importantly. And, uh, from there all of a sudden like more brands started reaching out to me. And then the next thing I knew, like the month after I arrived from Russia, I'm off to, I think it was Atlanta, um, cause cricket wireless and like Alcatel reached out to me and cricket's owned by AT&T. They're like, yeah, we want to send you to like this all-star week for the MLS. I'm like, okay. Like I've never done any of this. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is awesome. So from that just built a whole new ball it's game. A trickle down effect. Yeah. We were just having a conversation before I started the recording about how, when you put yourself out there work will come to you. Yes. So like I was talking about, about how when I did workout videos with my friend, all of a sudden brands reached out. When I launched this podcast, brands reached out. Yes. And it's important to say too, that it doesn't always mean that a brand is the right fit for you. Like I'm sure right. I get them. So you have to get mm-hmm. a bunch of people that to reach out for you where you just feel like this doesn't it's feel not. authentic to me. No. I Even if it's a great product, it doesn't feel like something that I vibe with. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, I can't work with mm-hmm. you but these amazing collaborations come about right yeah and you meet incredible yeah. people the way that we met each other in Paris yes. Yes. and without taking that step and putting that piece of content out there even if it's like not your best and not the most perfect thing mm-hmm. it leads to so many other opportunities right it's not about that one piece of content it's about the domino effect of starting there and then watching it work its exactly way exactly and Gosh, I remember a few months ago when you were launching, you said you were launching the podcast and, and I think I right away like told or like commented or like DM'd you. I was like, yeah. yo, so proud of you. This is amazing. I like, can't wait. And it's true because when I see like other women or other friends like succeeding or getting out of their comfort zone, which is huge, I'm like, yes, I'm like badass, like do it. That's and amazing. then it's having that support system of people like yeah. you and just like a network of other females or males i loved like female empowerment but i'm I like know. this is not a female only podcast but I also know. it could be just yeah. i just love it so much i know but it's having that network and support system mm-hmm. of people who are there to like hype you up a little bit when you doubt yourself yes because even when you say you stop caring what other people think it's still gonna like leak its way back into your system dude it creeps and it's a practice of like pushing it out yes. of your mind <laughs> but it still sometimes like makes its way back yeah and that's what your support system is there for yeah absolutely i swear like there's even new content ideas that i have and like i like jot them down or I have like a whiteboard and i'll like plan it out and like the first person i'll ask is my boyfriend like what do you think of this you know yeah. he's like he's just like my 
number one fan. He's like, yes. It's so yes. funny because I'll say I purposefully don't go to Andy because <laughs> he could blink the wrong way and I'll be like, you hate it. <laughs> and then I'll get mad at him. I'm like, you don't support me. But like, it's really just me being a psycho. <laughs> so I'll go to somebody before him before. first. I'll go to Christian and I'll, and I'll he'll be, I already know he'll be like super supportive. That's or great. if he doesn't like it, then he'll say it obviously. But yeah. for the most part, he'll love it. But then I'm like, he always loves it. So I have to get like... You need like a sample of people. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. then I'll like reach out to my friends like, hey, what do you think about this? And then they'll right. be like, yes. So yesterday I posted um, like a post-it note shaped out I of like a that, soccer ball. I saw that, the soccer ball post-it. I loved it. Yeah. And that was inspo. I forget who... Someone sent me something. I was like, that's a really great idea. And I don't think like soccer, like in the soccer world, it's not there. I follow um, Ali Love. Do you know maybe her? it maybe it she was does her. it often. Oh really? I was thinking about doing it too. It just putting it, so what we're talking about is putting a motivational quote on a post-it, sticking the post-it on the mirror, and then taking mm-hmm. a selfie in the mirror. And to me, like a lot of what I post, like my captions are very motivational. Mm-hmm. I enjoy following that, and it's a lot yeah. of how I think. So I also enjoy putting it out there, right. and that's a great way to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when you did it, I was like, oh, yes. Was, I, someone had sent to me, like, I think, like, two months ago. And I was like, damn, that's so cool. It's a great idea. And then, I, I swear, as soon as I went to the store the other day and there was, like, a soccer ball shape sticking out, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I'm like, I'm going to do something like that. Yeah. Especially for the soccer world. So You're always thinking of ideas. Yeah. It's part of being creative. So yeah. it's so cool just to recognize that after you're a professional athlete and you lose this identity – a lot of people's go-to is coaching yeah. or training or starting a camp or, you know, doing all of these different things, which yeah. it sounds like you were doing that a little bit on the side when you were playing, mm-hmm. but you didn't let yourself automatically funnel into that. Like right. your, your narrative was being told to you. Yeah. Like yeah. this is a position that kind of fell into your lap, but yeah. it's also like hasn't really been done before like you don't hear a lot of professional athletes going into media maybe and maybe now you do Mm -hmm. um because social media is so big but at the time that you were doing it Mm -hmm. it was less of a path totally totally so how do you think you were really able to like build this role for yourself and tell yourself like okay like this could be my career and -hmm. it's not the norm but I'm gonna do it anyway oh my gosh um I think I just have that like mentality where if I really want to do something, I don't second think it. And it has its positives and its negatives because there's so many times where like, I like, oh my God, I want to do this. And I won't think about the consequences. I won't strategically plan it out. Mm-hmm. I'll just like, I'm going, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I'll figure it out and I'll freaking do it. And that's exactly what I did. Not knowing how, like where this can take me, if it will go good, if it will go bad. Right. If I can pay for my bills, if it will make me money, I had no, it's, I had no idea, no idea. But I just knew one thing that like, I'll be able to manage, like I'll do it. And if I, and this is exactly what happened. Like if I have to do something, a side hustle on the side to help this, this dream or so to help it. this you've goal. you've side hustled before, you can do it again. Exactly. Absolutely. And that's exactly what I did. As soon as I moved to New York city, I didn't have any job. Like I was training kids on the side, making cash and like either uh, individual training sessions, club training sessions, and then at the same time, like doing this. So then now eventually a year later, like I don't have to coach on the side, although I, I love it. Like I love coaching kids, but like, do I have to do it? No. Now I can dictate that time to creating more things and like building my portfolio, building my resume to one day reach, you know, another goal. Right. 
It's amazing. There's this thing that I say often when I'm coaching classes because it's what I would want to hear and it's don't think, just move. Yeah. So it's like in the final 30 seconds of a round when you're exhausted and you don't want to think about how mentally tired you are, how physically tired you are. Don't think, just move. I love that. And this is kind of the same thing. It's like don't think about all of the consequences that could have happened, just move. (laughs) Yes. I love that actually. I like that. I like that And when I launched this podcast, like I would say I was probably like 60% ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I said I'm going to do this every Tuesday and as things came up and there were challenges and I was telling you about the producer that I worked with in the beginning that yeah. just like didn't work out for me mm-hmm. and I could have became paralyzed in fear with that but don't think just move like mm-hmm. what comes next mm-hmm. and just solve one problem at a time and you said you were going to do this every Tuesday so now put it out every you Tuesday and you have to. Yeah. And it's good like as soon as you put it out there like it's like your own commitment yeah. to doing it. You know? It's always like tell someone you're doing something no matter what goal you're setting, even yeah. if it's not in media and you can't blast it out to followers. Right. Like yeah. if your goal is to run a marathon, tell five friends and get a group yes. of people with yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So great. So mm-hmm. describe some of the work that you're doing to inspire the next generation. Um, all right. So, well, last year with my teammate on my national team, uh, Isabella Cherry, last year we, literally you like you said that so beautifully i can't repeat <laughs> it if i tried <laughs> i'm not going to <laughs> go ahead Sorry. um so we spoke out against the federation mm-hmm. and that just wow like to this day i can't get over what we did because it had never happened in the history of soccer in colombia and i'm talking like men and women soccer so what we did is like we created this video edited it down to one minute and posted it on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and this thing went viral. And it literally spoke out against them taking away our pay, not paying us, um, we having to pay for our own flights, use uniforms, um, no equipment in the gym, like a huge inequality difference between the men's team and the women's team, huge. And so nobody knew about this in Colombia, of course, nobody knew about this. They thought we were all like making huge contracts and millionaires i'm like no like i'm trying to pay off my credit card debt <laughs> like chase is calling me <laughs> so um we created this video went viral and all of a sudden like we are trending in the entire country of colombia like and i'm telling you we had to fly to colombia to do this live press conference and kid you not it was like billy jean king style like this could be a movie one day where we walk into this conference room and there's just like 50 cameras lined up against the wall and we are with our lawyers and us. And then all of a sudden, like amazingly, our teammates show up and like we have like 10 or 15 girls behind us. Like This sounds in. like a really good Netflix documentary. That no, I but really. Watch. No, like, but actually. <laughs> um, and God, it like still gives me chills to this day because... We were so scared, but we didn't know the consequence, yet we did that thing where it's like, don't think, just move. And we did it. And from that, we like just created a whole window of opportunities for girls and women in Colombia to raise their voices against what's not right. So from that, it created a whole Me Too movement in Colombia where a national team trainer spoke out against the federation because she already had a case literally like a lawsuit against the federation for sexual harassment i heard you talk about this the other day yeah Unbelievable. yep so that opened that because she we were the first person people that she reached out to when that happened then all of a sudden like 
referees at Columbia are also getting sexually molested and harassed. So like then we're like, holy crap, like we just started something huge. And then on top of that, we fought, we fought for the women's professional league in Columbia that was going to be like completely, uh, like suspended and because they're just too lazy to even care. And they say it's a waste of money, but it's, it's an investment. And they were going to take it away, but we fought for that too. And we got the women's pro league up and running. And then now this year we're like in the same battle again. And like, it's just, it's, it's like going against the mafia to be honest with you. But it's it's all a result of like one simple action Yes, where you just went for it. Yes, exactly. So what we did was absolutely amazing. And how, what we do now to this day, what we did before to inspire girls to, you know, speak up and speak up against what's what's not right so it could even be sexual harassment it could be things like confederation like not getting paid you know Mm -hmm. some things that we had to live through out of fear um and then of course paving a way of opportunity so that girls in Colombia and around the world can see football as a way of life as a career how many opportunities can be it's incredible i just want to acknowledge the full circle because (laughs) you became a professional soccer player you worked under this stress where you didn't even know that playing professionally was an option for you yeah um and this condition where you weren't being paid fairly to create this career which is really fun and you get to express your personality and you're fulfilled by that and work with all of these different brands to now closing the circle, coming back and using your influence to inspire other people Mm -hmm. to know that a career in professional soccer exists and to also rid the system of all of these inequalities. Right. Amazing. Like chills, chills. (laughs) I hope you came here to get hyped up today. I know. (laughs) Honestly, I think it all goes back to exactly what you said. Don't think, just move, keep going. And I Sometimes I don't even think about it, like how how badass what we have done as a group. Like I don't think about it that much, but like sometimes you need to. Um, and then recently, like obvi- I obviously through my Instagram and my following and my audience want to keep inspiring whoever is watching my stuff. Or, and I know it's a big mix of men and women, um, but I want to use my voice and my brand and my handle as a way to just push exactly what we just talked about like losing your fear like doing what you want to do uh and then inspiring others if they want to do something with their life like freaking go do it you know beautiful (laughs) i want to end it there because (laughs) i just love everything that you've said so far and you're an inspiration to athletes non-athletes young people people who are working careers and figuring out what they want to do and just taking a step back looking at your surroundings and knowing that that doesn't have to be your end is <laughs> beautiful you. so where can people find you um my instagram on the gram is melissa ortiz five and then um facebook i think is the same twitter i think do it's, you tweet it's a lot more mostly about soccer yeah. and then a little bit more in spanish okay. yeah <laughs> oh that's nice yeah my twitter right now is just like a, a random sarcastic thought that i have Re- yeah <laughs> i have some friends that like sometimes tweet funny things yeah twitter's like i feel like twitter's for two things like game updates or like political things yeah it's it's very spread and it's yeah. funny because i have like two sides to me like one is very sarcastic and one is very motivational <laughs> so you'll look at my instagram and it's like yeah. go do things and you look at my twitter and it's like oh why is this person walking so slow in front of <laughs> <Yeah>. me <laughs> but it's fine i'll manage <laughs> 
Um, okay, so check her out. Thank you so much for yeah. coming to the Not My Best podcast. Thank you, and so proud of you for doing this. So proud awesome. of you, always. <laughs> friends forever. Okay, you can find me on all social channels at Julia L. Stern. You can find this podcast at Not My Best Podcast. Now go out there, stop trying to live your best life, and start actually living a better one. Thank you for coming. Thank you.